This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Luke chapter 4, going to preach a brand new message today. Luke chapter 4 in verse 1. says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. By show of hands, anybody you've ever been tempted before. And by the way, can I just make a note real fast before we go any further? Just because you're full of the Spirit, that doesn't mean the devil's not going to tempt you. Somebody say amen. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led into the wilderness, not prominence, not into the neighborhood, not the city, the wilderness. Some of you just need to be okay with a wilderness season every once in a while where sometimes not everybody's around and you don't get to have fun like the last season was, sometimes God will take you into a wilderness season. But remember, loneliness will make you lethal. Well, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. God appointed him into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. You think? You think? For 40 days, this man does not eat. He is craving a Snickers bar. Somebody say amen. He's hungry. And the devil said to him, this is what he says to Jesus. He says, Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become some gluten-free bread. And Jesus answered him and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Then the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and all their splendor. It has been given to me and I give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered and said, nope, the Bible says worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Verse nine, then the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if... Jesus, if you are the son of God, if that's really who you are, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command, now the devil is quoting scripture, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said, nope, there's a verse for that one too. And he quotes the book of Deuteronomy. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Verse 13, please, this is a warning for all of us here today in church. Verse 13, and when the devil had finished all of his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. In other words, what the Bible's saying is when the devil realized, okay, I can't get you today, but sure enough, I'm coming back tomorrow. He left him for an opportune time. You know, one of the things about the enemy is the enemy knows your rhythm. He knows your schedule. He knows exactly the opportune time to attack. For some of you, you let your guard down after your greatest success. For some of you, you let your guard down after a few communion glasses. For some of you, hello church, some of you, 
had to understand that the devil loves to find an opportune time. Just in the same way that he looked for an opportune time with the Son of Man, he'll look for an opportune time with you. And he finds an opportunity not to come and bait you into something small, but he actually wants to maim you and hurt you and take you out. In fact, John chapter 10, verse 10 says, the enemy of our soul wants to steal, kill, and literally destroy you. What we are going to do to the 49ers uh, tomorrow night, that's what the devil wants to do to you. And so you got to be aware that God, some of you are laughing at me. Stop. Um, You got to be aware that the devil, when he realizes, I can't get you today, but sure enough, I'm coming back tomorrow. And even the devil, he says, I'm going to, I'm going to leave you now. I can't get you on these three things, but I'll come back for another time. I want to preach a message this morning. If you're taking notes, you can write down the title. It's called who he is, who he is. And I want to preach today with an abundance of passion on who our great God is. That I believe that our church and our city needs a fresh revelation on who Jesus is. I promise you, you can walk out of here with your head high and a great smile. You can walk out of here feeling encouraged if you just get a glimpse of who Jesus is. We are not here to worship uh, some God that used to be. We're here to worship a God that is. We declare to your soul, we declare to your children and to your home, who Jesus is. This is not what he's going to do, but more importantly, it is who he is. Amen. Come on, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for our great nation today. We remember 9-11 and we declare from New York all the way to Los Angeles, the blessing of the Lord over America. God, thank you that on a day like today in church, that we can be strengthened and be encouraged by your word. We are thanking you today that you are so good, so faithful, so loving, so accepting. We remind ourselves of who you are. We thank you in advance for all the things that you're doing in our lives that we can't see and that we don't know about yet. God, thank you so much that it is football season and we do not have to watch any more soccer highlights. We are so thankful in Jesus' name and we all said together. Come on, church, if you're thankful, a little bit louder, somebody say amen. It's football season. We made it. We made it. Um, by uh, show of hands here, if you enjoy getting to know someone, like the whole process of getting to know somebody, new friend, uh, whether it be uh, you know an interest or not, uh, just let me see your hand. If you enjoy getting to know people, I love getting to know people. You know, like do a little Instagram stock, and I like getting to know people. You know, just heck, no shame in my game, but but I like getting to know people. I I I remember uh, when Julia and I were getting to know each other when we were in the in the courting dating process. And we are just learning of one another. When you get to know someone, when you're in this process, you think you know someone and then they surprise you. You you think you know who someone is and then they do something or say something or react some way and you're like, wait a second. That's not who I thought you were. Like, I'll never forget when Julie and I, we were dating, and uh, and we one of our first dates was we went to a football game. Holla at your boy. You know, I know how to wine and dine them, baby. And so I took her to an NFL football game. Go see Hooks. And uh, we were there at uh, Central Link Field, and Julie and I were there. as a cold day. I'll never forget. We were playing the Ravens that day. And, uh, and we were there at the football game, and Julie and I start to talk. And when you're talking to someone, you're getting to know someone, you're asking them dumb questions. Like, what's your your favorite color? <laughs> 
Target or Walmart? You know what I mean? Pepsi or Coke? Like you just, you're asking the dumbest questions because you get to know somebody. You, you want to understand them. You want to understand what they're about, who they are. And I'll never forget, we're, we're at this football game. We're probably enjoying some garlic french fries. We're enjoying the Seahawks victory this day. And, and Julia begins to tell me, I, I asked her the question, tell me something about you that I don't know or that most people don't know. And, and she, I'll never forget this. She said to me, well, I don't know if you remember this. She said, most people think, she's like, what are you going to say right now? <laughs> most people think that I am like a lion, but really I'm a lamb. <laughs> and like, you ever have someone say something to you and you like try and keep a straight face? <laughs> I don't even know how to take that. You went from lion to lamb so fast. But she was, she was like, she was trying to, and I was pulling out, I was trying to discover, show me who you really are. Like, I know like fashion can be misleading and social media is not real. And, and, and some of you are like, is that true? Yes. And, and. And I know like all of us have this, this idea of someone and a lot of us get dis disappointed because you get to know somebody and they show you a card or they reveal their nature, their character, and you think, wait a second, I thought you were something and you're actually not. I, I perceived you to be this way, but you're actually another way. Jesus, all throughout the Gospels, is implicit on declaring who he is. Seven times in the book of John, from John chapter 6 all the way through chapter 15, Jesus makes seven I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus loved to reveal his character. He loved to reveal his nature. He pulled zero punches when it came to you and I understanding who he is. And I just want to say to you a few thoughts this morning to encourage you in your faith so you understand who he is. Write down number one. I'm going to give you four things to write down this morning to encourage you wherever you are in your faith journey, whether this is your first time to church or whether you've gone to church your whole life, all four of these things is for everybody here today. Write down number one, who he is makes me who I am. Who he is and that's actually what makes me who I am, who he is. Remember, the, the enemy of your soul always wants to threaten who you are. The, the devil himself will always question your identity. He attacks first your identity. Are you really forgiven? Are you really graced by God? Are you really loved? Are you really favored by God? Are you really blessed? He will always try and challenge your identity in the same way that he tried to challenge Jesus' identity. Did you see what he did three times? Three times he comes to Jesus and he goes, Jesus, if you are the son of man, as if to say, prove it, show me, are you, <laughs> yeah, right, Jesus, I don't believe a word you're saying, if that's who you, if you really are who you say you are, prove it to me, throw yourself down from here, didn't the Bible say that he'll command his angels to take care of you, if, if you really are the son of man, why don't you take this, this rock right here, turn it into bread, and every time the enemy attacked the character and the nature of Jesus, Jesus did not have to do anything to prove who he was. He was secure in who he was. By the way, the temptation and Jesus being led into the wilderness for 40 days, 
of the Holy Spirit is, is off the heels of his baptism, which by the way, next month we're going to have baptism here at our church and you ought to sign up. And if you're new to our church or you've just recently gotten saved, you should get baptized. And by the way, we're not going to baptize people in the kiddie pool anymore. We're going to get a real one. Somebody say amen. We had people kneeling down like it was a yoga studio trying to get, it's like, dog, we ain't that cheap. Come on. So we got a push pay offering that came in. We're going to buy a tub. Anyways, so, but um, that made me laugh. So, but what was I talking about? Anyways, but Jesus is right off the heels of his baptism. Remember, he goes to John the Baptist and he's like, John, for all prophecy to be fulfilled, you need to baptize me. John's like, I will never baptize you. Then Jesus looks him in the eyes, does something like Yoda spell. And he's like, okay, I'll baptize you. And so he baptizes Jesus. He dunks him in the water. As soon as Jesus comes up, the Holy Spirit manifests itself in a dove. A dove comes and sits on his shoulder. The, the father opens up the heaven and declares out loud for the whole audience to see and hear. He said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. It's one of the few times in all of scripture that the father and the son and the Holy Spirit are on the scene. Jesus was resting. He was secure in the father's love. He knew that God loved him. He knew who he was in the father. He, so when the devil tried to challenge his identity, he didn't have to feel like he needed to prove himself because he knew he had affirmation from his father. So many of us, we have such father wounds and grew up with such bad dads that you feel like you always try and get approval and you got to always earn acceptance, can I just encourage you today, you might have had a bad father here on this earth, but you got an awesome father in heaven and that father in heaven has great things to declare over your life. If I'm preaching to somebody, you ought to put your hands together in the 10 a.m. and thank the Lord that you got a father that says to Jesus, but you got a father in heaven that says to you, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Jesus walked around with security, whether he was in the wilderness or whether he was in the temple. He knew who he was. He had identity. He had security. Some of the things that plague us in this generation today is that we walk around with such insecure people, or shall I say in another way, insecure. And so if you've got insecurities, can I tell you they can be healed in the name of Jesus? And so watch what God does. God validates the son. He says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. So because of the security and the confidence that Jesus has in who he is, when the enemy comes to threaten his identity, he doesn't even fall into it because he goes, I know who I am. Can I tell you, you will not know who you are until you know whose you are. I know who I belong to, so I know who I am. I am a child of God. I am called. I am anointed. I am graced. I am powerful. I have authority. Why? Because I know who I belong to. Who I am is a result of who he is. Who he is has made me who I am, who he is. It's amazing. All throughout the gospels, all throughout the gospels, Jesus reveals himself and people get a fresh revelation, which by the way, a revelation is an idea. It's a glimpse. It's a, it's, it's, it's a light bulb that comes on and they can see it. All throughout the gospels, people have this experience with Jesus. And once they experience who Jesus is, they have a revelation of who he is. There's this, this kid who's got like just a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread. And Jesus literally takes it and turns it into feeding 5,000. This boy had a revelation that Jesus is the bread of life. 
There's this girl, she's serving water to people that are passerbyers from this well, the woman at the well. And Jesus speaks to her and she has a revelation that he is living water. There's this one lady that's caught in the middle of adultery. How did they catch this woman in the middle of the act? Sketchy. Anyways, and so they pull her out and they're gonna stone her. And Jesus takes all the haters in the house and dispels them away. She has a revelation that Jesus is grace. There's this one guy that gets lowered down from a roof and Jesus literally heals him on the spot in front of an entire house. This kid had a revelation that Jesus is healing. There's this one guy who's blind. He's sitting on the side of a road and he's literally begging for healing. His name is Blind Bartimaeus and Jesus walks by. He lays hands on him. He goes from being blind to having sight. He has a revelation that Jesus he is all powerful. There's this one guy, he's literally walking by and he's got so much, his name is Legion because he's got so much demons in him and he encounters Jesus and Jesus delivers him of all demonic warfare and all of a sudden this man has a revelation that Jesus is deliverance. Come on, am I preaching to anybody here today that has a revelation on who Jesus is? Come on, if you believe that he is who he says he is and he can do what he said he could do, come on, give him a little bit of praise in the 10 a.m. All throughout the scriptures, there's this revelation after revelation. He is healer. He's forgiver. He is freedom. He is deliverance. He is grace. He is loving. One time, Jesus is walking on the water in the middle of a storm, and the disciples are freaking out on this boat, and they have an understanding and revelation that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. All throughout the scriptures, they understand who Jesus is. But can I tell you, who he is has made you who you are. You would not be free. You would not be healed. You would not be called. You would not be graced if it wasn't for Jesus. Who he is has made you who you are. The Bible says, by the grace of God, I am who I am. Anybody thankful today that he is who he says he is, but you are who he says you are. My father is, um, he, he's, a pra- he's a pastor as well. He's a preacher. And he's an unbelievable uh, human. I love him because he loves the Huskies as well, the University of Washington. And um, I love my dad. And my dad, the, the interesting thing, the older I get, the more that I understand is everything that my dad is, I am. Everything that my dad did, I now do. Like I grew up with a father that loved, he was obsessed with reading John Grisham books. Like my dad, every vacation, read John Grisham. And then he would finish reading it and he would hand it to me. To this day, if I walk through the airport and see a new John Grisham, I pick it up and read it immediately. My dad is a golfer. Like he loves to play golf. He lives to play golf. He goes out and gets those little bushnell things, you know, where you, you, you can see how far the ball is away and all that stuff. He gets all the equipment and the, you know, the new Adidas uh, cleats, the most comfortable ones. And he's always getting new drivers. And he, he's obsessed with watching golf and golfing and finding golf deals and going on golf trips. And every Every, look, I, I'm obsessed with golf because my dad is obsessed with golf. I watch golf in the afternoon because I grew up with a father that always watched golf in the afternoon. My father is obsessed with church, always talk church, always love church. I literally have a passion for the church of God because my dad has a passion for the church of God. It's all he talked about. It's all he lived for. My dad, we, we just grew up in church. We grew up around church. We grew up around church leadership. My whole life is church because my dad's whole life was church. I am who I am because of who he is. Can I just tell you today, you are who you are because of who Jesus is. Anybody thankful today that you are a result of Jesus' life? Come on, anybody thankful today? And you know what I love about Jesus? I love who Jesus is. And even furthermore, I love who he's not. 
Would you write down number two? I love who he's not. So if this is who he is, he is freedom, he is loving, he is accepting, he is forgiving, he is gracious, he is kind. Let's go love opposite. That means I know who he's not. I remember those old lyrics from Kanye a long time ago. This is before, you know, you know before. He, I, everything I am made me everything I'm not. The, the, everything that Jesus is not, I love who he's not. Our God is not inconsistent. Our God is not flippant. Our God is not negligent. Our God is not inconsistent. Our God shows up on time. He is always reliable. He is always there for us. I love who he's not. He is not harsh. He is not critical. He is not judgmental. I love who he's not. Who he's not is just as powerful as who he is. He is not some God that shows up whenever he wants to. God does not say, okay, I'm hiding. Come find me. No, God is not hiding. God is not difficult to understand. I love who he's not. Oh, in the Old Testament, there's this wonderful story of this major prophet. He's unbelievable. His name is Elijah. Elijah is a bad mamma jamma. Elijah is the dude. He's the guy. He's, he's goals. He's the, he's the best. And Elijah stands up against 400 false prophets of Baal. There's 400 of them. There's one of this guy. But he knows who God is. He knows who he is, and he knows who he's not. So he goes to these 400 prophets of Baal, and he's like, I know there's 400 of you, and there's only one of me. He's like, but let's have a contest. My God versus your God. And they're like, shoot, there's 400 of us. Let's go. Let's, so they do this little meetup. It's like, you know, like Greece in the Bible. They do this little meetup and, the, and they're going to battle it out. So watch what Elijah does. Elijah is pure spiritual gangster. He, Elijah goes up to these guys. He goes, okay, you guys first. So the 400 prophets of Baal, just watch this in 1 Kings 18. It's going to come on the screen. Watch what the Bible says. I love this about who God is not. So they took the bull. This is talking about the false prophets, the 400 of them. So they took the bull, which was given to them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon saying oh Baal hear us but there was no voice no one answered then they leaped about the altar this is now getting weird and which they had made and so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them this is talking trash in the Bible Elijah mocked them and said cry aloud for he is a God maybe he's meditating or maybe he's busy or maybe he's on a journey or perhaps he is sleeping and he must be awakened. He's talking trash. So they cried aloud and cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out of them. I love who our God is not. Our God is not the God that's sleeping on the job. Our God is not the God that's not going to show up when you need him. Come on, anybody thankful today that you can rest in the security of knowing who he is and knowing who he's not. A few years ago, I had a friend that was playing uh, wide receiver for an NFL football team, and he got traded to another team. And the team that he was playing for, he was in love with the culture of the organization. He loved the football franchise. He loved his coach. He loved his teammates. He loved, he loved the, the, the strategy, the philosophy. He loved everything about this football team. Well, when he got traded, he got traded to, to, to another team that was the polar opposite culture of the culture that he was from. So he went from like party, music, pump up, encouragement like let's go we're gonna win it he went to the exact opposite culture he said that the coach that he went to go play for he was so harsh he was so mean he literally said that he, he pulled all the players together and he said hey I want you to know the football is not fun he said this out loud football's not fun we stopped having fun at Pop Warner 
He said, this is a business. This is your job. And he, and, he, and he literally just took himself so serious and took his job so serious and had this culture in his locker room where no one was encouraging. There was no life. There was no vitality. There was no camaraderie. It was the polar opposite. Can I just tell you today, I don't just love who Jesus is. I love who he is not. He is not boring. He is not mean-spirited. He is not out to hurt people. He is not trying to keep people away from church or away from heaven. He is not elite. He is not exclusive. He is not a lover of some races more than other races. He doesn't love one country over another country. I am thankful today that who he is made me who I am. But I'm praising the Lord this morning for who he's not. Come on, somebody put their hands together and thank the Lord this morning for who he's not. Come on, somebody praise him that he's not some weird, bizarre God. And I love that we can count on this God forever. Write down number three, and I pray this encourages you. He will forever be this way. This is who he will forever be. This is not like a trend. This is not a fad. This is not like, well, Jesus got cool all of a sudden. Well, Jesus is now so trendy or vogue. No, can I tell you, this is who Jesus has always been. The Bible says, watch what Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight says. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. We serve a forever God. He is forever going to be kind. He is forever going to be merciful. He is forever. His, his love endures forever. There is no end to his rule. His throne will last forever. The Bible says charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman that fears the Lord shall be praised. You know what? Ladies, can I encourage you? You ought to make yourself a forever woman. They say, I'm going to forever praise the Lord. What about the Bible that says that this is the grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord will endure forever or last forever. We're a part of a forever kingdom. We're a part of a forever government. This is not going to be around during the two thousands or maybe even a trend right now. Can I just encourage you today? We are going to one day be in heaven and we're going to worship God forever. And we're going to get glorious CrossFit bodies forever. And we're going to be in heaven and that we will walk the streets of gold and there will be no more sorrows and no more tears and there will be no more disease and no more 9-11. Why? Because it's a forever God. This is who he will be forever. I get excited. Because this is not like well, Jesus is going to be like this when I'm in church. God's going to love me when I'm paying my tithe. If I go to growth track, then God's really going to be for me. No, God, this is who he is. He's faithful. This is who he's not. He's not inconsistent. This is a forever God. He is forever loving. He is forever engaged. He is forever for you. Forever he set his face to bless your life. This is forever. Oh, I love this. In Luke chapter 15. It's a brilliant story about what many of us know is the prodigal son. And the prodigal son is this boy, long story short. In fact, last night I put, was putting my son to bed and I was reading him uh, out of the I Will Follow Jesus book. I was reading him a gospel story and we came to the prodigal son. It made me think of to preach it today. And I was reading to my two-year-old about the prodigal son last night. And for those of you that don't know the story, if you're new to church, it's a story about a son. There's two sons. One of them comes to the dad and says, dad, I know that you're going to pay me a rich inheritance, but I don't want to wait. 
I don't want to wait to get my inheritance. I actually want it now. The scheme of the enemy is always to present to you now what God intended for you to have later. So he wants to take it. He says, he's, he's, give, me, give me the money. So watch the dad. The dad is so secure. The dad knows who he is. The dad is not threatened. So the dad says, son, this is not what I want for you, but he gives him the money. Says the, Bible, the Bible says the prodigal son goes out. He squanders this money on loose living, expensive dinners, going out, this, that, and the other. And he actually uses all the money and ends up in a pig's pen. He's now eating the leftovers of pigs. He doesn't even have meals for himself. He's eating the leftovers of the pigs. He comes to his senses. The Bible says he comes to his senses and he makes this realization. He goes, you know what? I'll bet that my dad, although he's disappointed me, I guarantee my father will at least accept me back to be a worker at his fields. So he gets up, he, he dusts himself off and he starts to make his way back to the father's home. The Bible says that while he's still a long way off, the father sees the son and runs to the son, throws his arms around him. Now you gotta understand, watch what happens. The Bible says that the dad goes, oh, oh he's back. Go get my signet ring, which is like my David Yerman one. Go get the David Yerman ring. Go get my best ring. Go get my best robe. It's like the Puff Daddy robe. Go get the best robe and the best ring and kill the fatted calf. Get the biggest cow we got and kill. My son is home. Why? Because the son realized this is who my father will forever be. I might change and I might turn my back, but God is always going to love me. He is always going to accept me. He is always going to throw a party for me. Oh, come on. Somebody in the 10 a.m. ought to thank the Lord that this is who he will be forever. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back and some of you just need to be encouraged because maybe you feel like a prodigal. Maybe you feel like, oh man, I just, I haven't been that faithful and I haven't followed up on some things I told God I'd do or maybe you're dealing with some things in your life. Just can I encourage you today? This is who he is and this is who he's not and this is who he will forever be in your life. He is always going to be for you. He is always going to be patient. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed his transgression from you. This is who he is. This is who he is. A forever God. And let me encourage you with the last and the final thing, number four, would you write down? This is my charge to you this morning. This is my, this is go and do this then. Embrace him, praise him, and follow him. If that's who he is, the bread of life, the, the great I am, the the living water, the way, the truth, and the life. If this is who he is, and that's who he's not, and he's forever going to be this, well then embrace him. Some of you just need to embrace grace. Grace is not a principle. Grace is a person. His name is Jesus. And you need to embrace Jesus today. And just say, Jesus, I need, I need your embrace. I need to feel your warmth and to feel your peace and to feel your love. Some of you just... You need to embrace the reality that God loves you in spite of things that you've done, in spite of things that you've said, in spite of places that you've gone. God loves you. He is for you. He is with you. You might as well just embrace him today. Embrace him. And then when you get done embracing him, just put your hands in the air and praise the Lord. And just, pray, just praise him. Just say, praise you, God. 
You are so good. Woo! Thank you, God. I love you. I'm, I'm so thankful. I know I'm wretched. I know I'm poor. I know I'm broken. I know I'm needy. I know I don't deserve it. I know I don't earn it. I know I'm a mess. I'm a disaster. I know I'm a sinner. But I'm thankful today that I know who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. And then follow him. Follow him. Follow him. Follow him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Follow the Lord your God. Follow him. Just say, I'm going to follow. I'm a Jesus follower. I may not be a leader in the church, but I'm a follower of God. Because why? I've embraced who he is. I worship who he is. And I am literally one that is following the greatest God that the world has ever seen. He is not a false God. He is not a false prophet. But he is the Messiah. Come on, somebody give praise to God. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you were inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.